The following podcast may be explicit. Flying towards a setting sun in a Honda Accord of gold. The AC straining against the funk because our socks and drawers are old. On the 105 for an afternoon drive, whizzing by the freeway flora. In the passenger seat is my best friend Pete, a fat man in a fedora. Breaker 1-9, this is Drechnar the Dark. I was momentarily detained in the hotel entrance, fat beard. The valet was trying to charge me an exorbitant fee. It appears we have ourselves a game con. Yeah, we got ourselves a game con, playing for four days straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene if you wait. We got ourselves a game con, our games have the fun. And we'll be playing all the night, till the morning sun. Thank you for joining us for season twelve, episode six, six, six. of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Mary. This is Dark, and this is Kurt. And Mary and Kurt Mary are back. Hey, the one year annual. It's been two years since the last one. <laughs> it's been uh, seven seasons since the last one. So, soundboard check. All right. Okay. Uh, a you couple. Just, that was a soundboard, right? A couple yes. things that I need okay. to. Uh, Thank a few people, and I'm not going to give their last names, but their first names, Robert, Andrew, and Tomer, in the last, like, two weeks, these three listeners each purchased one of the items on the uh, audio equipment wish list. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, I had this rush of stuff showing up, and every time an Amazon box shows up, my wife scowls at me. (laughs) Well, I'm like, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. It's a gift. <laughs> you, had some cat- you had a catastrophic equipment failure not too long ago, so it's a good thing some of these things are showing up. I know. I was about ready to replace it, and all of a sudden, papa, here it comes, because I knew it was taking a shit, and then it finally took one. That's awesome. Like yeah. manna from heaven. Yeah, like yeah, it was. So, m- new microphone and uh, yeah, the control room ma- matrix and the preamp. Yeah. So, um, like so thank manna you guys. from Amazon. All very important things. Thank you very much. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know if there's much left on that list. I think there's only like one or two more items on there. That's so sweet. Uh, yeah. Did you design 003? I have that. Oh, 004? I don't think they've come out with a 004 yet, have they? Well, then it would be really great to get one, wouldn't it? It would be, <laughs> yes, it would be fantastic <laughs> to have one of those. A new Mac. How about that? There we go. A Mac Pro. A $10,000 Mac Pro. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> but, th- it's, but seriously, thank you very much for, for doing that, because now uh, the... There, there is a firewall now between music recording equipment and podcast recording equipment. Which Yay! Is, yes, which um, makes the they're they're saying they can't hear anything in the chat room. Oh, I did that thing again. Hold on, no sound. Yeah. Okay, and we're started again. So now they can hear us. Yay! Um, Yay. So, anyway, thank you guys, uh, Robert, Tomer, and Andrew. For uh, the donations or the the gifts of the audio equipment, uh, we appreciate it very much. And uh, if you go to happyjacks.org. There is a uh, a spot there if you want to go in and help contribute to the show. You can do that there. So, also if you want to listen to the show live, you can listen on Friday nights at eight thirty p.m. Pacific time or blah blah thirty uh, p uh, Greenwich Mo- time. Mountain <laughs> Greenwich <laughs> something. I don't know. Uh, you use a converter. I tried to find one. It should be four thirty <laughs> Greenwich time. Don't correct me. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know you well enough, Stu. <laughs> you know, no, I, every time he tells me that, I just don't listen. It's kind of like the people in his band. I. 
Is that, oh. That's probably where you got it from, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of the people that didn't listen to you either. Right? Oh, <laughs> I, th- I thought it was just like the golden rule. You don't correct him, he doesn't correct you, no. so you don't take correction from him. <laughs> I don't take direction from him. That <laughs> That's why it was so hard to find the freeway. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, the I, I can't find it. Anyway, yeah, it's eight thirty p.m. Pacific time, or look it up on Google, and uh, <laughs> and that's it. Happyjacks.org/slash/live. Happyjacks.org/slash/live. There's a chat room you can chat. Hi, chat room. Yeah, hey, we love the chat room. We do, and I've turned on the uh, the Q and A thing. So if anyone has any. We have Kurt monitoring snarky, it today. Snarky comments. So. Not the Q&A, just the chat room. Oh, okay. I, I got the Q&A up here. So. Stu's doing the Q&A and Kurt's doing the chat room. So, What's right. your handle there, Kurt? Clan Hannah. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, now, you had a topic, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, so I, I did almost no prep. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Same for us. <laughs> oh, wait. Excellent. <laughs> well, the prep is life experience. Um, no. Several episodes back, I'm not even going to try to remember how many, but I'm sure the chat room will tell me. Um, the the uh, let, let me just say they, they don't actually listen to the show. Oh, of course not. <laughs> right, exactly. Go ahead. So, um, several episodes back, a couple of months ago, um, the subject was briefly broached um, about how to broached. get. Um, dependent NPCs more in the minds of the players, and there was some subject of, well, what if, you know, those those dependent NPCs were were dealt with, like, in some sort of pre-game thing, and I was shouting at my speakers, you mean like a character prelude? Because I've done those, and I just recently came through a set of those as GM, of which Mary was one of my players, and Mary's also been through a series of games with various different character preludes before the full game starts. Yeah, and I've run preludes myself in that same system. Right. So. Oops. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it seemed like a, a, an opportunity for us to to talk about something we know about that uh, you know might actually educate people. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, a, okay, a character prelude. What? Why is that different than a character backstory? So um, I mean, specific, I mean, I, the difference between a prelude and a backstory. I, I'm sorry, this is really loud for me. Oh, all right. Um, the difference between a prelude, you? a little bit better. Yeah, thank you. Um, preludes are <clears throat> co-done. The GM does it with the player. Your background, you can sit down at your computer, you can type up your 15 pages of backstory, and then trim it down for the GM. Or um, not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, little, little bit farther away, just a touch. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, so with the prelude, it's th- there's a couple different ways you can do them, like what the focus is, but it's going to be the player and the GM sitting down most likely one-on-one because it's about exploring your character's background. And it might be your GM told you, write your backstory to the point where you leave home or the point where you discover the supernatural is real or the point where you get on an airplane for the first time. And then they'll bring you up to where the story is with that, so you both know how that goes. <laughs> or it might be something more like, okay, you've written your backstory, now I'm going to do the thing where, that brings your character into the story. So you might still meet all in a bar, but you all know why you're in the bar. Um, and there's a couple of different approaches to that, and which 
type works best depending on the story. Uh, but when you just write your background, you're like, blah, 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 background, I'm a loner, I hate my family, I'm an orphan, and I don't care about anybody. And you just hand that out there. And the prelude really brings back in the caring about the world and you find your connections. <clears throat> yeah. So, pretty much what she just said. <laughs> well, doesn't White Wolf specifically have a thing called the prelude that you that you use when you're it's playing? It's in the... It, it's in maybe. the book and it's highly encouraged um, I don't know if it's in the current version because I'm more old world of darkness than new world of darkness in my taste I don't I don't remember seeing that in the core book I don't remember seeing it in the 20th anniversary which is what I'm working from okay. um, that's why I said yeah. it was a question I mean it's, I, a, it's the kind of thing that traveler kind of does in character creation anyway so except that it's not necessarily a one-on-one situation. Um, but, yeah, it's like like Mary said, you know, you, you may all start in a bar, but how did you get to the bar? Um, well, what game were you guys playing that you did all these preludes? Mo- the, the one I'm running right now is a Vampire the Masquerade campaign, uh, <coughs> Old World of Darkness... Um, 20th anniversary. 20th. I'm using the 20th anniversary uh, rules uh, rule set, which is just a, a streamlined version of the the 20 year old rules. Um, and um, I'm I, my game is set in 1914. And when I told my players, "Look, I want to run this campaign. Here's the only idea I have: 1914. Your vampires go." Your character can be as much as 50 years dead. Right. Your character can be as much as 50 years dead and come up with a character. And I had five excellent players who all came up with some very colorful backstories, especially when I said, we're going to do some character preludes to help identify your character in both your mindset and mine so that I have a full understanding of who your character is before we jump into the full game. And if you write... Mm -hmm a good comprehensive backstory between that and the prelude, I'm going to mine that for ideas for the actual game. It, it's interesting that you break it into two, because I, I Stu writes, or asks a bunch of questions, and a lot of those things could be considered sort of a prelude. You, you, you actually ask a, a lot of leading questions about what happened in your life, who's... But it's interesting to actually break it into a backstory and a prelude, so there's almost two no, sections. Well, you know... Th- <clears throat> The few times I've played, and I know, and I'm not, I don't, I think I'm not alone in this. Um, I think a lot of players don't really get a good feel for what the, who their character is until they've played it a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. and if you point. and if you before starting the actual pr- game proper, give people a, a couple hours. I mean, how long how long a period of time are you talking about when you're talking talking about a typical prelude? Oh, the preludes were almost universally three hours long. Each, when, each. Okay. Yeah. When I've run them, I had one that was only an hour. I had one that was like eight hours. But we were in Italy, and we needed something to talk about over dinner. So ah, okay. <laughs> that was fun. It was. Right. It was also a matter of like with when you're playing a vampire, and your character, like I said, in this case, can be as much as fifty years dead, and you're writing your backstory for your character. There's right. what you wrote. There, there's who you were before you were turned Turn. into a vampire, before you were embraced, and then there was who your sire thought you were to in, in order to embrace you, and then your first few years as a vampire. And that could all be in your backstory, but the one year <laughs> leading up to the start of the game is 
a crucial bit of information. It's both a matter of player agency figuring out what they were doing in that time, but also a way to fold them into the world that is in my mind as the GM to get them acclimated to the game. Well, and that's a good point. I was going to say that it's it's important with a vampire game because you've got all this history. The guy's 50 years... He's been dead for 50 years, so he's got all this stuff he's been doing right. for 50 years. Right. So it's important to talk about that journey as mm-hmm. well, cause, but that's also maybe part of the backstory. But, for example, with Stu's L5R game, we're all sort of playing new characters, and it is taking me a little while to find my voice, mm-hmm. to figure out the characters. And I had it in the backstory, but perhaps a prelude of me leaving the island and getting there may have helped me to get into the character. So by the time we showed up all together, I had a firmer grasp on what, what? my character was like. Now, but that does take a big time sink. It's already ba- hard enough for us to all meet together as a group, let alone one-on-one with Stu and Kimmy and Connor. Right? Yeah. No, but you don't, ha- you don't necessarily have to do them face-to-face, right? Do, do you, is that always the way you do it? Or? Uh, well, I've, I've d- the, the way I've done it has always been face-to-face, but I haven't done any kind of online gaming. So I've, done, the- I've done one uh, through just chatting on AIM, where mm-hmm. we typed everything back and forth. Um and I didn't like it as much because it was for a lead into a tabletop game. Because when I can sit and I can type, I get to edit. Because, or at least hopefully oh, yeah. I edit. You know, not just take out typos, but I think about what my character is going to say. Whereas in game, I don't get to think. I have to just react. Unless I have a character who's going to sit and think first. So um, one of the things I really love about Preludes is that is a test drive for the character. So that if I pick... It's always in White Wolf. If I pick a nature and a demeanor that I'm not quite sure of, I kind of get to try it out. And if mm-hmm. it turns out I'm not playing that at all, it's also an opportunity to look at the character sheet and say, this is wrong. Can I change this now before we really get into things? Right. Um, and that's uh, it's so much better to change your character sheet before you've met everybody else mm-hmm. and yeah. really started getting involved, in, especially if you're changing something like your character's nature, which is their basic driving personality. Right. Um, Much, much better to change that before you've had five sessions with the group. And as far as scheduling goes, I have found universally that it is easier to schedule, to to coordinate two people's schedules than six. Right. Or even a one on one. It's like, Stu and I live near each other. Well, so I'm saying two is myself and one other person. Coordinating two people's schedules is always easier than coordinating six. And in the particular game I'm running, I mean, one of the players is my girlfriend, another one is my roommate. So, and another one lives 50 yards away from me. So, I mean, that's, coordination's not quite as onerous in that instance. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you have the unique uh, Yeah, that's a unique situation. Right. gamers all live nearby, but um, not everybody has that luxury. And no. really, the Prelude is a kind of a luxurious event. It's a neat thing. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not crucial to the game, but, no. and certainly a lot of people don't have the luxury to do it, but... I could see the importance of it for sure, especially yeah. in light of the L5R game. Not that I'm not that I'm hating the L5R game, but it is taking a while to get into it. Now we've all talked about trying to get into the character. Well, having a prelude for all of us would have expedited that, so we would have basically hit the ground running. Right. And there's, I mean, I, the argument to it is, well, what if you're starting with a level one character? He doesn't have much of a backstory. But as you say, you have, all have that's family. how you get to the bar. You yeah, have I mean, reasons for leaving they home. They weren't born. That morning in the bar, unless you're playing like Eclipse Phase or something, I don't know. But um, but the amnesia is the best flaw. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no. 
as far as advantages, disadvantages, merits, flaws, whatever you want to call them, edges, hindrances, um, three, I think three of my character, my player characters took um, the merit contacts, and they all had two contacts, and they're all like, okay, so who are these contacts? I'm like, right. well, that's something that can be worked out <coughs> during the prelude. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, one of them was... He was trying to get in touch with them. I'm like, okay, so there's a clanmate of yours who lives in Istanbul, and um, but he's Irish just like you, so you have the opportunity of of getting information through him, and there's one of your contacts. And now he's rooted in that player's mind as somewhat important, because it's not just a name on a sheet. He's had interaction in-game with that character before with that npc even if we haven't actually have the had the meet he's had interaction with that that npc who he's put on his character sheet in order to to get points for it or whatever and now that character means something to him that dependent NBC, npc or independent npc has some meaning to him and and uh, i think mary took mentor as, i didn't actually no I you didn't got it by accident you got it by accident right exactly um but, so yeah, that helps a lot with figuring out that relationship. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, it, otherwise, it's just a name on a page that can just be mm-hmm. brushed under the rug. Also, conveniently, when you do your prelude, you work out the names of all those people in advance. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you've got family members floating around that you haven't killed in a tragic, you know, thing, or you've got servants around or contacts around. They're named, so you don't get five sessions into the game and go, "Oh yeah, my best friend in the world. I need to go talk to what's her face." <laughs> right, and it helps the GM now too, because now he's yep. got a list of names to the brother and sister, and mm-hmm. now he's got a name to the mentor. And he's got exactly. a little, little table time playing that NPC. Yes, yeah. also, and that's maybe huge. Get a, maybe you can get a before everyone sitting at the table. You had an idea of what this character is like and how to portray it. Right, and and that's huge, especially if. <clears throat> You're a thespian GM, and you put voices to NPCs. It's it very is very helpful to have had some time to work out what that voice sounds like. It may not be an accent; it may just be you know, like Yoda talking. They do or whatever it is, and it will also make you more comfortable in the skin of your character. If you're trying to explore, or figure out the character. You know, in front of a bunch of people, sometimes you get stage fright or shy, or you're trying new things, so you're inconsistent for a while. I mean, maybe that ex- speaks to like the good con games, the repeat con, like the freak show game, where people, the same people, come back year after year and want to play the same characters because mm-hmm. there's a familiarity about it. They've taken it out already. They already know what they're going to do, and they d- and they can explore that character further yeah. without having to embarrass themselves with a new character or rope around and try to find motivations for a new thing. Yeah, I mean, one of the advantages to playing a campaign instead of playing one shots is you get to really delve into that character more and really get to understand it. Um, the last campaign I ran was with four players with whom I had been a fellow player in another GM's game. So th- those five characters were then brought back into the next game. It would be as if in the L5R game, instead of playing each other's uh, progeny, you guys played L5R except Dave was the GM and the other four of you were now playing the same characters. So 20 years later. 20 years later or whatever it is. Um and that's one of the things about being a GM is that you're you're really thrown into playing each of these NPCs 
very quickly, and you have to make up um, ideas for how that NPC operates on the fly. And if it's, you know, bartender number three, it doesn't really matter. But if it's, you know, uh, a, husband. a husband or a brother or a, a, a sire or you know, what are some someone who has a, a very significant connection to one of the player characters, it is very helpful to have that opportunity for the GM to establish who that character is in the GM's mind. Well, I like it. I can't see yeah. a, a losing proposition for having preludes and it's stuff. It's time-consuming. It is the only I, losing and it, it does aspect ha- it of it. Does, and it would also force your la- lazy players <clears throat> to get their character done so they can get the preludes. So if we have a prelude schedule yep. for this day, exactly. show up with their character. Right. Well, I haven't rolled them up yet. Well, you better. Right. And, and well, if they don't, then you can do it as part of the prelude, and then you can just carry on. And since I did them, I did them one-on-one this time. So, like, well... I did I, almost all of them one on one. Yeah, ours, ours were really intertwined. Yours so you, were, yeah, yours and and one of the other uh, player characters were very much intertwined. So I did them together, but um, the other three player characters I did their one on one on completely different nights. It wasn't like everybody showed up and then it's like okay, <laughs> yeah, I did you with don't you. want to do that anyway. No, no, like, that can be a lot audition. of fun. It can be, and that's how I was actually introduced to it as a player. Was we all gathered in one place and the, G- the GM did his preludes with us one on one, and the rest of us were just audience. Um, and yeah, but, but character secrets might be spilled, and then you gotta yeah, try and, to and not having read the character backstories, I realized that was a bad idea. That that there were character secrets that would come out eventually, but they should come out right. organically right. in the game, so that you have that Scooby Doo moment of you know what you know or you know unmasking whatever it is and and oh my well okay and now how do we deal with this it's not in the back of every player's mind it's like oh wait i have to remember to be surprised when he turns out to be a triple agent right in, or whatever you know which we could be because it's world war one <laughs> <laughs> yeah really yeah the two other advantages that i really see to preludes from either side um you get a chance to make those personality forming botches right at the beginning because for some reason every time i play a new character somewhere in the first session or two i just completely blow a roll on an information check or on an etiquette check or something where i have no idea what that feels like i i'm not going to get my character killed over it but it's going (laughs) to give me some personality tick from there on where she's just wrong about something, or she's very strongly opinionated about something, mm-hmm. and that can run for the whole rest of a game. Uh, so getting those little things in there that really give a character life and personality, and having nobody else see it happen, can actually be really magical. Because then you show up, and your character is somewhat scared of bananas. Maybe not to the point where it's a flaw, but just like, bananas really, really piss them off. Right. And nobody knows why, until somebody finally asks. And they have to ask to find out. Um, which is really awesome. And the other really You tell them because you failed a roll and slipped on a banana. And that's well, then you tell them the story of what happened in character, because that's even more fun, is explaining your stupid screw-ups in character with a straight face. Yeah. Um, but the other really amazing thing about Preludes is that might be your one chance to have the GM's undivided attention with no extra commentary. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because my once I'm away from the Happy Jacks people, uh, my circle of friends there, we are snarky little bitches. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and if there's a chance to make a pun, we're going to make it, whether or not it's scene appropriate. So yeah. being able to actually really get into the scene on an emotional level and not worry about 
one crack or another being made from an outside source, it, that's a really nice level of focus to be able to have. Um, and it doesn't happen with every group, because some groups, I'm sure, they'll all just get into the scene and, and bypass the puns. But when you build a character who's going to make the jokes in character anyway, then... Right. Yeah, but it's, it's really nice to have the chance for that serious stuff. Because um, I, I can tell stories about some of the first preludes I did where we did some really fucked up shit that the rest of the group would not have been comfortable with. Oh, yeah. But your your uh, uh, my first La Sombra. Your first La Sombra. That was yeah, baby's first La Sombra. Oh boy, it was amazing. Um, I don't even know what La Sombra is. Isn't that a dance? It's a da- yeah, it is the stain. forbidden dance. It yes. is. Um, in, in this case, with vampire, it's <laughs> they're shadow mancers. Yeah, they're, they're the clan of vampires that are shadow mancers, and they're also sort of uh, socially or with their stereotype is kind of being the power behind the throne the puppet masters the puppet masters um and i had a character that it's like i pick her clan but i had no idea how or why she'd get embraced so she got kidnapped from a nunnery in germany ended up in rome where she decided she was going to go take orders so she wouldn't be forced to go back home to get married and instead of being embraced by the person we'd originally planned um she was kidnapped by that character's sire who hated Christianity because we were in Rome and he was a vampire older than Christianity. He blamed Christianity for the fall of Rome. He tortured my character for three weeks. That's a La Sombra? Uh, well, yeah. that was her La Sombra. That was a special That's La what the word means. It's... No, La Sombra means the shadow. The oh, shadow. Yeah. Spanish for the shadow. Um, but, but yeah. Okay. See, I don't speak Spanish. Okay. It's okay. So I... you, you've only lived in Southern California since 1984. You know, yeah. the important it's... word, cerveza. Cerveza. <laughs> He can order food like a motherfucker. <laughs> I point uh, to the menu. Give me, give me number two, dos. But I had a character who was tortured for three weeks, and we actually went into a lot of detail about it, not because the GM was particularly going for the torture porn, but because I was willing to run with it. Um, and as a result, I had a very good grasp of my character's uh, interaction with her faith. Like, to the point where I had a vampire with two dots of true faith, which is the most fucked up thing in White Wolf just about. It, it's, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it was I can just, burn you with holy power, except I am an abomination in the eyes of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, mysterious wise. Question from the peanut gallery here. Yes. Uh, other than interviews and questionnaires, what are other tools and interesting ways you have had players create their backstories? Example, at last con, in one game, you played Broken Dolls. The GM plans to have people bring their own avatars. Uh, probably, probably bring their own broken doll to be uh, right. To be there. Awesome. That, wow. is, pretty that is pretty. That'd cool. be awesome for Grim. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd well, be fucked up. Oh, you play every instead of playing the school children, you play the 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 <laughs> dolls or the familiars or whatever that the school children left behind in the Grimlands. That might be too fucked up. <laughs> Not for you. Okay, no. <laughs> is he asking what questions you use to... No, he's a, other than interviews and questionnaires, mm-hmm. what other tools or interesting ways have you had players create their backstories? Okay. Um, most interesting I've way. had people just write me a story. Yeah. It's literally a backstory. Yeah. Sometimes it's a paragraph, sometimes it's two pages or so, and, you know, if they're good writers. Uh, and then I... I've just had, I've had <clears throat> sent out questionnaires and had them fill it out and it, that comes back. So yeah. there's different ways. You kind of also have to cater to different people. Some people don't write, can't write, or don't want to write no. a story. Right. So that's the person you give the questionnaires to. Or the, yeah, the the um, is it Apocalypse World that does the 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 very leading questions to connect characters and things like that. Um, I, I haven't played it, so I, I don't know. I think it is. 
but, but that, I mean that 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 kind of that, that leading question thing, it's very helpful to like you know make make an assumption, and then have the players tell you why that assumption is true. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if it works in in terms of. I don't know if you would call this a, a, a way of creating the character, but it helped us get into the character. I was in a, a con game. Um, it was uh, Oscar's um, uh, heavy heavy gear yeah, game, yeah. and I mean it was all pre gen characters. Obviously, we didn't we didn't create the characters, but he he does this thing with um, flashback and foreshadowing, where when we start the game, we're we're sort of after all of the action has already happened and we're being debriefed on what happened during the game we haven't played yet and then flashback to the beginning of the actual action and so we'll 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 so try we're trying to come up with why you're in the middle of the game yeah in a con game That's in a four hour really time slot oh yeah no it was it was fascinating because it was like I have no I all I have is my character's name <clears throat> and I uh, but okay I'm the lieutenant so I'm in charge so I you know give some sort of answer about this was my fault or you know or it was his fault I throw him under the bus or whatever it is and then flashback to where the action actually begins and we. Now, oh, now it's like a cold open to a, a television show, mm-hmm. um, where after the opening credits, you see, you know, two days earlier, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And what so. do you do if you like if you set that up as a GM and then like halfway through the the quote unquote backstory of the game, it's TPK. <laughs> well, he didn't let it go that long. Well, that, okay. that's the it, problem it was, with time travel. In, you right. alter the flow. <laughs> I mean, his. That that introductory cold open lasted maybe eight minutes. Okay. Of of game time. Of real time, it was maybe twelve. Okay. So I mean, it was it was over and done with, and it was just okay. Now, here's what happened, and now we get to figure out what that all was. I think uh, going back to the question, um, the most interesting character creation I ever did. Uh, was on a car ride with a friend who was also into role-playing. And uh, about four hours into a car ride, I usually get a little bit ranty. Just, I'm tired, and so I, I just start going off. And it's not anger ranty. It's just, at that point, I'm punch drunk enough from watching the road signs go by. that the filter, Talking passionately. The filter turns off. Sure. And I... I get, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. And... I, for some reason, got on the subject of stereotypical uh, game characters in a particular setting that I knew, and how you could change those stereotypes. Um, and I probably generated about five parties. Not five characters, five parties <laughs> worth of character ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them stuck with me. So, um, yeah, most interesting way I've ever generated characters was by going on a long car trip. And yelling at their... There was, I really wasn't yelling. But, you know, you have to have conversation, especially if it's nighttime. There's an obligation yes. to keep talking to the driver or keep the driver talking, just in case. You uh, if you don't, you deserve to plunge over a cliff. Exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely one of the more entertaining uh, character creation things that I ever did. I also got to mock about 15 housing developments that all had stupid names. I can't remember that now. I wish I could. Some of them would have made great band names. I don't know why the housing developments had those names, but you could have named heavy metal bands these things. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that was special. Yeah, the the my favorite thing to do on on long car trips at night, and it's kind of hard to do this anymore because there's too much traffic. But I used to own a, um, a Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, and we drove up to uh, Santa Cruz for a, a gaming weekend, and it was me and Bill and. I think there was one other person with us in the back seat. And we're driving along in the fast lane. And I would come up on these cars that, that are one lane over, or either that or they're moving because I'm going really fast. Mm-hmm. So I would slow down because I wanted to make sure they weren't cops. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I would start to slow down as we're approaching them. And they would see me slow down. And they, it, it took us like five cars to realize what was happening. But they would start slowing down. Until they were going 55 miles an hour, because the speed limit back then was 55 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was still 55. <coughs> and, and, and after like the fourth car, like, Bill's like, you need to stop slowing down when you're going up to them. They think you're pacing them like you're a cop. <laughs> so we turned it into a game. And I started doing that with every person we passed. And we wait until, the, as soon as they hit 55, oh, especially if you're in, a, you're in a Cutlass Supreme. Yeah. I it, mean, if you were in a Crown Vic, that was the only way it could be better. Right, yeah. <laughs> the square headlights was pretty yeah, close. But, I mean, exactly. it, it was a nerdy cop car. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. It made the trip go really fast. <laughs> once once we realized what was happening, well, you were also driving faster. Which no, no, you were slowing down. 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 Did off. you slow it down to like thirty five? No, it's just no fifty five. Oh, no 55 one would go right. below fifty five because you know they don't have they to. don't have to. Right, no, exactly. All right, uh, let's let's do the emails. Oh, um, uh, where are you guys playing tomorrow and Sunday? Oh yeah, uh, Sport of, <laughs> Sport of Tricks is playing at the Big Irish Fair at El Dorado Park. At El Dorado Park in Long Beach, uh, it's no longer at Lake Irvine. It's right. in beautiful uptown Long Beach, or right next to the Queen Beach. Mary. Is that what that? No, 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 no. It's, no, out, it's that's outtown Long Beach. Outtown Long the, Beach. It's the it's the park along the six hundred five. Yes, you know exactly. You know what? I just built a house there, the El Dorado State Park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, El Dorado Park. Yeah. Um, it's up at the northern tip of the park because. It's a big park, and there are three yep. different roads it's that go huge. through it. Oh, yeah. It's huge, exactly. So <laughs> we're playing at 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and 4 o'clock on both Saturday and Sunday. That's 10 a.m., 1 p.m. 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., yes, on both Saturday Tomorrow and Sunday. Tomorrow and, yes. and Sunday. Tomorrow and Sunday, exactly. So come on out and... Uh, it's a cool park. It's got archery range and duck ponds and all kinds of. Yeah, things. the archery range is down at the southern end, so we're nowhere near that. But it or the duck pond. It's huge. Right, There's exactly. a pool and a pond. Pond would be good. Pond but the fortunate thing is that we're in the part of the park that you don't have to pay to park. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. There's no pay to get. Well, I don't know what the fair is going to charge. For and that the is a cool fair. It yeah, is a very cool that, fair. That's that, the one I mean, they have the the uh, border collie. Things. Yeah, they've got the um, um, course uh, dog coursing, and they've With got sheep. a whole. Lo- if you like Irish wolfhounds, this is the event to go to because people bring their Irish wolfhounds. Also out known there. as shaggy horses. Yes, basically, mm-hmm. yeah, shaggy ponies is really what they are. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of other great bands in addition to us who are playing um, uh, Bricktop Laggers and the Fenians and um, the Young Dubliners. <laughs> I think you're playing. Uh, I think the old Dubliners yeah. are. Yeah. Um, so oh, uh, God, Dublin Public. It? Uh, no, there's like some huge names from like the seventies. I can't, God, I can't remember his name. Well, a lot of a lot of huge names have have gotten their start there. But no, I don't no, know if someone's gonna. No, I saw it on the bill. I can't oh, remember. Who headlining it was. or coming back? I can't remember who it was. No, no. I don't know. It's not the Chieftains, although they have played no. there in the past. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, come out, check us out. Uh, we will be playing and selling our CDs and our flasks and our shot glasses. So. And we'll play a song at that. What's the song that you sent me? That we're uh, it's uh, uh, the Working Man. 
And where can they find that? Uh, at sportivetricks.com. Sportive. Sportive S-P-O-R-T-I-V-E, tricks.com. Uh, we're also on CD Baby and iTunes. So, And you're probably on Amazon. I have no idea if we're on Amazon or yeah, not. If you're on CD Baby, you're... You're probably on a ton of other stuff. We're also on Spotify and yeah, several other... Yeah, I hate being on so. those things. Well, yeah. I don't know. We just recently got a check from them, so we're not... Well, from CD too. Baby. But, no, but well, I will tell you right now, yeah. the the stuff that you got from, from streaming services... Oh, no, it's it's, is, it's pennies is, on the pennies. You get, a, you, you get a fraction of a penny yeah. when someone listens yeah. to a song. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not it's not the first decimal place. I think it's the no, next one yeah, over. No, it, it's the next one over, yeah. <laughs> Literally, it costs more to put the stamp on the envelope than you actually it, get. It's the rubles check. on the dollars, really, is what it is. Or oh my god, so yeah, um, I hate those things. But and, and that's the way everything is going now too, because everyone's starting their own. Well, we'll see what side. what uh, what Apple does now that they've bought Beats, and see what they do with it. Well, it ain't going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Amazon just announced they're going to have their own cloud music service. Somebody's going to get rich, but it's not musicians. No, oh no, 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 no. They the. the the music industry has figured out a way to push the little guy back out again. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we self-publish our CD. And we're going back into right. the studio at the end of this month. Oh, for excellent. Our third, our third album, we're going to try to have it out by... Well, we're, we're, we're working to have it out by, by next February, next March, something like that. Um, so we'll Yay. be going in. We haven't figured out... What all the tr- well, all the songs are yet? We haven't figured out what the title of it is yet, but you know we have a start. So, and uh, excellent, yeah. Sportivetricks.com. Sportivetricks.com. Yes. Email from Clockwork Monk. There's something else I wanted to mention. I'll think of it later. Pirate fair? No. Oh yeah, I can go see the, if you're in Northern California. Go to the Wives Pirate Fair. Right, they're just starting their tour. Well, kind of. They're coming back here right after the first leg of their. It's the first spoke. It's like their tour is like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really not a tour. It's uh, let's go to several places over the course of several months, and then return home between each one. LA, hey, yeah. they're, they're, we've we've run into plenty of venues that we've tried to play at that they've said no, we only book. Band that does acts. nationally touring acts, yeah, which right. discounts for sure. the live, so they could they could totally headline at places like you know um, Hard the, Rock Cafe or the House of Blues. So, do you become a nationally touring act by performing out of state once? Mm, I don't know exactly how it works. I know that that'd um, be easy. We're, we're, we're joking in tricks. We're joking about the fact that we are now the um, globally reviled sport of tricks, as opposed to the world famous poxy boggards, because we have gotten <laughs> responses from <laughs> India and China. Oh. No, no, no. We've gotten <laughs> people buying our our album online from like India and China. Oh, that's and awesome. Norway and I think one in South Africa. So yeah. Did that's they leave one star reviews? I don't read the reviews. You know you've arrived when you get one-star review from India. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's awesome. I'll keep that in mind. This Irish music sucks. <laughs> I cannot stand it. <laughs> it's not even Irish. <laughs> this is the least authentic music I have ever heard. It sounds nothing like Irish music whatsoever. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Stu's bad Indian accent. <laughs> All right. Email from Clockwork Monk. Dear Stu and the Fred, and I can say that because I don't think we have one Indian listener. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm going to get a hate mail from him now. Maybe. 
I'd be nice to hear from him. <laughs> Even if it's negative. Still don't. Still haven't cracked Africa. That's the one continent we haven't cracked yet. We, yeah, okay. I didn't for, get them during my Kickstarter either. Uh-huh. I got Antarctica. I didn't get Africa. Yeah, but you were selling scarves. I got Antarctica. Scarves, yeah. Yeah, you're selling scarves. I sold a Cthulhu scarf to somebody in Antarctica. That makes a lot of sense. That's scary. It's awesome. awesome. (laughs) They're taking it to relay. (laughs) It's totally the thing there. They're totally, I mean, literally the movie, The Thing. So they have Cthulhu scarves to sort of remind them of McCready. Dear Stu and the Friday Evening Douche Crew. I, I like that. Yeah, Clockwork cool. Monk here again with an emergency email. Game time is June 14th. Oh, that's tomorrow. Yep. So Hopefully you're listening. Uh, is he um, there? Yeah, uh-huh. he's, he's in the chat. Oh, he is. Okay. Um, I need hey, a, that's me. And I need a bit of time to make sure everything's prepped. See, uh, this would have been read, la- read last week if last week it hadn't blown up. Uh, two of my players are moving away permanently, independent of each other. They've both come to me privately and asked, Can you kill off my character? Both have also asked for for particularly epic deaths, too. The rest of the group is ignorant about the death wishes. I hope none of them are in the chat room. But everyone (laughs) knows... No GM lets their players listen to this show. Um, (laughs) But everyone knows these players are are leaving. That's why we've like hit our cap at like 3,500. It's it's all GMs. (laughs) It might be all of the GMs, but it's just GMs. This podcast is really great, guys. Don't listen to it. (laughs) I'm in the chat room, he says. (laughs) I I don't actually have a lot. I'm I'm reading the chat room right now. I don't actually have a lot of friends who are Indian, but I went to to college with a lot of guys from India. If you're asking, you want to know how I got the accent. I like the guy who says, my best friend is is an accent. (laughs) (laughs) My best friend is an accent. (laughs) I need your help. I had a good friend who was a Tilda once. <laughs> Somebody hit him. I wish I it was reach. open. It keeps going back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I need your help. I don't know how to bring about their deaths without railroading the entire game. I'd love to hear suggestions on how to pull this off while still making it a surprise for the rest of the party. If you have any... If you have suggestions for my game directly, that'd be great. I would also love to have inspiration from your own games if any of your players have asked for a permanent end to their characters. I bet they haven't. Mm. Most of all, how can I make this session enjoyable for everyone even if half the party is going to die? In case you're wondering, I'm not sure if this will spell the end of the campaign overall. At least one of my other players has expense, expressed interest in continuing. Yours in drunkenness. Tell you. Clockwork Monk. P.S. Have you guys seen the latest Guardians of the Galaxy trailer yet? No. I wish all my RPG campaigns. I, I'm not like sure. That. There's like five of them, to be fair. I've, I've seen, I think, all of them, so I don't know which one's the latest. I think I've seen two or three of them. I've seen two. I so saw the one that was on. I have, I have one immediate okay. question to ask. Yeah, well, about this. It, that's, I was going to say that. Usually, people give us too much information. He didn't give us enough. Yeah. Well, if he's in the chat room, then we he need is. the chat room in case he's giving us helpful information. He Stu's looking. Okay. We, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll type it. But yeah. if, if anyone has general information, my immediate question is: What defines an epic death? Because you could have an 
epic death that was because the guy did the, the character the player character did something heroic and awesome and and sacrificial and 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 had that opportunity presented to him by his gm to do that or it could be epic in how absolutely fantastic it was because and telling the story of how you died on a candelabra is always going to be good in the future yeah i mean you know died of the play I mean, the, okay um, it's numenera Okay, I'm not familiar with it, but um, I've heard of it, but I, I haven't. Well, it's Money Cook. It's the it's, yeah, kind it's of post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would say that cyclical fantasy Marvin, kind of Marvin's death in uh, Pulp Fiction is epic in a sense, even though it's purely by accident. It's like, oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. It's like that could be considered by some to be an epic death, but it's not going out in a blaze of glory, it's going out in a blaze. I, I have no problem with the term epic. I under, I think I understand what he wants. Okay, you know. Right. Uh, I, and I also don't think I have a problem with a little bit of railroading in this section because mm. you're kind of put on the point. You have one day to get both these guys wrapped up. Ooh, have him hit by a train. So I have a feeling that the players will forgive you if you if you steer the thing in, in pretty blatantly in one way. And I mean, I'm thinking of like if you could get them to both die together, saving the party, like uh, like the like the guys in Aliens where they had the hand grenade. Oh, we, can, yeah. we can hold this room. We just need two people to stay right. in this doorway, that kind of thing. and right, everybody yeah. else can escape. Yeah, yeah. Um, having orphans to rescue uh, justifies doing that. If these two guys stay and hold the line, then we can get all these orphans out. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff or like, puppies, or you, you know, but really. To, orphaned puppies. Well, to really the way to make it hit the characters and really have people be happy with it is to know the motivation of the characters who need to die. So that when they die, they're making that sacrifice or that decision to be in character. So it's, no, I would absolutely hold this door closed to save my sister or whatever. And right. you, you know, it's like there's really not necessarily enough warning to do it, but it's, you know, if somebody is just heavily motivated for revenge and mm-hmm. you know if they can get revenge by holding the grenade you know in a hug against their enemy and you provide them with the opportunity Leon in the professional yeah it's yeah. like you know if if you so you give them the chance to confront that thing that drives them somehow right. and then you just write it so that there's some way they can come up with some crazy shit so that way it's not I mean, you have to trust that you have players who are going to take those opportunities I know I would take that opportunity if I was looking to have my character die towards the end of the session. I'd be like, "What? Cra- hey, look! I have a grenade. Hey, look! <laughs> I, you know what? I bet if I push this red button, everything will blow up. And you know, if I'm looking for a way to kill my character, I'm going to take those decisions right. because I want that to happen. And if I can choose that death, and the opportunity is there, but that's very much me as a player. I don't know his players, so I don't know if they would take that death or if they want death." handed to them on a silver platter which also if you hand somebody death on a silver platter it better be a really good dessert like you know a little arsenic you know whatever actually that could be interesting have all the characters dying of poison that's what, what i was thinking is because numenera there's like a, a bunch of like ancient technology that no one understands anymore that's around that essentially is like magic right Mm-hmm. So yeah. what if someone's got like opens up a jar and it's got like a bunch of nanobots in it and they like get inside of you? Great like, goo! They're gonna they're gonna take <clears throat> you out. Mm-hmm. You have X amount of time, and then give them all kinds of opportunities to do something heroic and suicidal. They know they're they're a ticking time bomb. They're gonna die, yeah. and and maybe when they die, they're gonna explode and spread all the nanobots to everyone else. So maybe you can get them. 
Maybe you can engineer like things to f- so that they're looking for a way to isolate themselves from the rest of the party when they go, so they don't yeah. spread whatever this thing is. There's you know a lot mean? of th- options there. I mean, you, they, they could be the key that opens a gate, right? They have to take the nanobots in order to make them, but they have, you know, to do that will destroy them, but it opens the gate to save the party or allows them to get someplace. Maybe one of them is the gatekeeper. And the other right. one's the key master. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a there was a comic out called Strike Force Moratory where these people were took a uh, took a drug a serum and it brought out superpowers in them, but they only lived for a hundred days. You ran that game. And that was a whole system. So maybe maybe they get a Numenera that that gives them an epic power, but it burns them out. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, Mary ran an entire game system. That was based off of that premise. Threshold the tragic superheroes. Yeah. Two dollars drive through RPG. <laughs> <laughs> it it was actually like it was less than ten pages of information on how the system worked. It's like here's a corrupt world, here's some company names, here's how this funky serum that's gonna kill your character works. Have fun, kill your characters. They're supposed to die at the end. Oh. Um and I didn't manage to kill them in the game I ran because I only had two players. It was a husband and wife team, and I realized if I killed one, then I'd have one player. And the other one would be sitting there going, honey, I can't leave yet. Because it was, you know, an 8 o'clock time slot. Right. <laughs> it was like, so I, I wasn't quite as aggressive at the beginning. And when I tried throwing everything at them at the end, they'd gotten a handle on it well enough and they rolled well enough. They didn't die after all. Damn it. Yeah. I know. And then they complained about that very fact during the podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have been... One more player. Yeah, well. But I was rolling the dice in the open. I couldn't fudge it. Well, see? There's your mistake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't cheat when you know he's GM screen. <laughs> I once, uh, I once had a puzzle in a dungeon I gave that uh, inside it was a, a paladin. He was basically stuck between poles of ethereal force. That's what I called it. Okay. But to free the paladin, someone had to take his place. Ooh. And then basically it's the paladin five shit right there. And it's actually always great to give your characters a death that's a comic book death so they could get better. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> just in case. It's like you fell off a cliff. You might survive that, but the party's going to think you're dead. If you can, Or like, oh, you got turned to stone. And something that you could be cured of later, so that if you move back or you come back for the holidays, come ba- right? Come back for cameo, the summer. Yeah, cameo yeah. is an evil character, whatever. <laughs> um, Oppenheimer, what the? F- <laughs> right. <laughs> there's but, um. There's so. a class. And of course, the, the best thing is, of course, if he dies saving the party. There's a great, great mm. scene in Walt Simon's. Die at the party's hand. There's a great scene Double in Walt Simon. There's a great scene in Walt Simonson's Thor run that he did in the 80s where the executioner defends the bridge while they all get to escape. And it's a wonderfully written and wonderfully animated. Everybody should look it up. Just type in Simonson executioner death and you'll see this great epic little like two pages of the speech and it's neat but that's the kind of thing you want to strive for and I know what you're saying. It's like how do you, how do you engineer that in one game and not make it be, feel railroady? And I think the party will forgive you knowing full well that these two people have asked to be killed off so a little bit of railroading to facilitate this well, they do, I, the rest I, of the party doesn't know i know well i know they're gonna they know that they're leaving and i think that it's i think they'll forgive you <laughs> the and by the end of it they'll, they'll go yeah we wanted to die yeah. well <laughs> i mean yeah uh, the um one of the ways about keeping it a surprise i can think of, of three possibilities here one is the first death is a big surprise to the rest of the players and the second one is, oh, well, he's moving away, too. So it makes sense that he'd also be killed off. The second possibility is the first one is a, is a, 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 the first one is a surprise, or not, and the second one is like, wait, seriously, you killed off both of them? What kind of a dick are you? Or the two of them die simultaneously. Yeah. 
And, you know... I've got to make the best surprise, so it stays a surprise. The first guy dies, table flips, and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No one will suspect (laughs) the second second one. (laughs) So when the second guy dies... And he table, table flips, flips and, leaves. and leaves. And then you put them in the, the other players into a really difficult situation right. that is, is resolved by either Deus Ex Machina or, oh, well, that looks like a good time to call it for the night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know what? Now that I know the system he's running is Numenera, there's so many things you could do. I mean, one of the other players who isn't leaving could get sick. But to save him, one of the other players has to, you know, give him a blood transfusion or colossus, or yeah, thing. or li- yeah, literally, he has to kill himself to save the other characters. Bit by a rattlesnake. Yeah, it's just I'm not gonna suck out. You're gonna suck out your own poison, <laughs> or poison the whole party and find enough cure for the ones who aren't leaving. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. yeah. that would work. That'd be and awesome. then they get to they get to uh, they get sacrifice to sh- themselves yeah. so that the others can live. They can make all sorts of speeches if they want to go out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you want to sit through that as a GM. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, again, you don't even he have to be kidding. He can, he can go That's when I take a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, he can leave. He doesn't have to be there. Yeah. And then just go. You, don't have to, you don't have to kill them. They just have to... Just, I mean, they could fall through the the door that Sirius Black fell through. We don't even know if he's dead. He could have gone into oh, Candyland for all we know. No, he's they, dead. He just fell through. Whatever. I don't believe it. <laughs> you're, you're still holding out hope? Uh, no, I just... It was like the lamest... Waited for a character to go ever. Yeah. I'm like, you just do, oh no, bye. Gone. Really? Felt? It was, really? It why why even, is that just standing now, around? No, that's the other thing. What do you use that for? Why do you keep that <laughs> thing anywhere? Why didn't you burn that thing? <laughs> exactly. What, what was it for? <laughs> that, that, that's the other part about it, and goes back to my question about what constitutes an epic death, because would it be, you know, being killed by another player character? Would that be the right level of epic? Would it be. Uh, sacrificing yourself for the rest of the players. That's, that's always epic. Would that's always epic. Getting that's run over by a herd of pink buffalo. Or would it be a Whedon-esque death, <laughs> like Wash, where he had achieved Nirvana? Yeah. I am a leaf on the wind. And then the windshield Watch broke. Watch how I... Like, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's... The damn windshield <laughs> broke. That's what happened. <laughs> it got skewered. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it, a Whedon-esque death can be seen as particularly epic and also come out of nowhere. Or, if you want to guarantee that a campaign is going to continue, take somebody else's nemesis and have them kill party members. There you go, oh, yeah. yeah. Because there you then go. the rest of the party's like, I'm going to kill that fucker. Yeah, so right. take somebody's, you know evil twin or whatever and have them be a murderer that's that's that goes back to jib's uh uh perennial story about the slavers yeah, yeah. right and yeah. how that that became the entire campaign mm-hmm. yeah but yeah you want to keep the campaign going you make it somebody who kills them and then runs off to be like haha fuck you at the rest of the party mm-hmm. right and then they'll be begging to continue your campaign <laughs> we're gonna kill so, that fucker i mean my advice is uh so maybe tailor the death for each character you might want to talk to each person about like what it is they want to do how do you want to oh, wrap I'd surprise it up? them i'd surprise them I, yeah. okay but but um don't be afraid of a little bit of railroading because you're gonna have to shoehorn this in oh, in yeah. one game session yeah. and, I, and they're I gonna have to kind of go with what you do they I mean, are like, certainly <clears throat> you call a sidebar and then go over and, and they and, and say okay we just had a sidebar you just did some stuff Let's yep. go. Yep. Yep. You know, and that was, you know, them dealing with, you know, the nemesis of one of the other players who isn't going to die and uh, getting, you know, some slow poison in, yeah. put in him or something. and Or superpower that burns them out. Yeah, now you know. I want to run this as a con game. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> All right. I hope that helps. All right. Who wants to read the email from Drill 88? 
Uh, all, all real Drail 88. Or is it Drayley 88? It's not Dreidel. Drayley? Hello, Lords of Douchebags. Isaac from Texas here, also Drail88 on the forums. I bring to you offerings of success stories, a question... I think it's Drayleg. What? Like the eights are, G- are Gs? All right. Sorry. A question <laughs> and a proclamation. <laughs> In that order, let's begin. My success story comes from a session of D&D I had a co- uh, with a couple of friends of mine a few weeks ago. I was a wizard. My friend was a warlock. The DM had no clue what he was doing. This sounds like a perfect number. Most of what we did was, can I do this? To which he answered, sure. Roll higher than insert number. Good GM. Needless mm-hmm. to say, we broke a few rules, and that's not even the beginning of the good part. My friend, the warlock, was crazy. Like, bat shit, hang from the ceiling, talks to butterflies about death and bubblegum, crazy. I mean, chaotic evil didn't do this guy justice. Not, ooh, he's a little kooky, it's we the jury find the defendant. The game started out simple enough, with us storming a gnomish gnomish cult that was summoning an evil and somehow me and the, summoning an evil, period. And somehow me and the warlock got tossed in to do the dirty work of cleaning them up. Did I mention the warlock was also a klepto? Yeah. Stole my money and bluffed me out of noticing. And this was all in the first five minutes. So we go clean house of the gnomes and get teleported to a random city so we don't get killed. What happens next is just so bizarre and random that I couldn't make it up. The warlock goes off on his own, ignores a DM's attempt to do anything story related. At this point, I say, screw it. I'm going rogue. I thought he was a wizard. The city is magical. Multi-class. And I'm not sure how it started, but the next thing I know, I'm on top of the wizard's tower of the town's on fire, thanks to the warlock. So I decide to throw caution to the wind. I have an arrow with a magical mind in it, right? I ask the DM. He says, yes. I force it into the tower. He allows us and says I have to crit. And I do. A natural 20 shows up, and the next thing I know, the town turns into a golem and walks away, leaving the two of us in the dirt. I think I read that fan fiction. What? <laughs> and it doesn't stop there. Then he throws us into battle. Somehow between me and the warlock, we wipe out the forces of evil and the forces of the humans, to which he tosses us into the dinosaur area. The warlock meets a era. primordial... Oh, era. 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 The primordial era. The warlock meets a primordial god and absorbs him. I've seen that. And all at the okay... Like ShamWow. ...of the DM. <laughs> you watching this camera guy? Come wow. And all of it at the okay of the DM. At which point he says, fuck it, and cracks up laughing. Oh, at that point he's The sad part is none of us were drunk during this game. And one night we had broken the DM twice. And he hasn't played D&D since. I'm introducing him now to GURPS. So, success! <laughs> 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 So, now, on to the question. I have a game of mine, of which the players are all high schoolers, and end up having the power to summon memes and creepypastas. For anyone who doesn't know who they are, it's basically Lolcat and Slenderman. Oh, memes, I think. No, it's he capitalized m- twice. I know, but... It does say memes, but Lolcat I think you're right, it's memes. I've, I've heard people misread memes as memes. I oh. thought they were for the longest time, because it was always, let's talk about me now. <laughs> so I always okay. That makes uh, actually it makes sense. There's a list of 100 questions about me. I'm going to answer them now. Right. I actually spell memes differently, but it's just meme. Mm. Uh, how, how do you spell meme? M e e m. 
It, that's not. That's you spell it wrong. Yeah. Oh, all right, but, <laughs> it's, 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 it, the, but nobody it's the says memes. It's the root of memetics. So, yeah, but okay. <laughs> oh, good. I'm allowed to correct him, just not Stu. <laughs> <laughs> that way, nobody reads it wrong, and they know what I'm talking about. So, uh, and pop culture stuff that is meant to be funny. I plan on running this in GURBS <laughs> and more or less have a good idea on how I want the powers to work. Here is my question: The players are the warlock and the previous DM. How do I keep them from going chaotic batshit? You don't. <laughs> no, you got to take your medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. given how happily you just told us that story, why would you take that joy away from them? Yeah. Seriously. Right. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, motherfucker. That's, that was the problem there. The guy yes, anded you into batshit craziness. It can, in the hands of an expert, yes, and can be used as a weapon. Oh, yeah. And uh, now for my declaration. Having run out of stuff to listen to in my free times at work, I've decided to into, into the gaping maw that is the backlog. Yep, I'm going to listen to the last 11 seasons all over again from episode zero. So, wish me luck. Bad luck. Take we a drink. You. Keep up the good work. Isaac Drail 88 on the forums. P.S. Obligatory P.S. P.P.S. Take another drink. All right, I have to get it from the fridge. Hey, we have two from Clockwork Mark. Yeah, I just noticed that. Yeah, but the other one is from the past. We're in the future now. <laughs> I want one of those things now. Can I have oh, yeah, you have a dulce de leche. These are low carb, right? Sure. Sure, yeah. They're just, you know, made out of pure flour and sugar. Mmm. Good for blood sugar. <laughs> you took your, your meds. <laughs> I did. Good. Who's reading the next one there? Uh, you want it or shall I take it? Oh, so we're pretty much just telling him, suck it up, it's going to be well, a shit crazy deal? Because, I mean, that's what I'm saying anyway. I just want to make sure we all agree. I, I mean, I agree. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Exactly. I, and, you, and you can't, because it sounds like this guy tends to play crazy characters. Uh, we have a friend of ours, he's been on the show, Steven, and he yeah. tends to be he tends to be crazy, and, and but he's always in character, but he, he really goes he really goes off, so... You guys are having an argument right here. What's yes. going on? Oh, okay. okay, sorry. Yes. And, uh, and and but you know that going in, it's the it's you're playing a, a game with Stephen, and just it's going to go off the rails, and it's going to be wild, and it's going to be funny. Just hang on for the ride. So it sounds like this guy who played your warlock is just that kind of person. He's a wrench thrower, and he you just, you, that's what you get when you got that guy in your group. To be yep. fair, Stephen is awesome to play with. Yeah, it's, I'm not saying he isn't, and yeah. certainly yeah. sounds like this warlock guy is also a yeah. pretty awesome player. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, Stu has the term for a wrench thrower. Um, mm-hmm. We have another friend who's also a professional wrench thrower who shows up at games and just he comes up with the one thing you, oh, we didn't, uh, the one thing the DM didn't account for, and that's what he does. The difficulty is when he shows up with the the plumbing wrench and and yeah. throws it right between your legs. Make so. a melee bunch one. of monkeys and yeah, throws exactly. them into the wrench works. So you wanted the, the, the new one from Clockwork? Yeah, it's short. Okay, that's what I was offering. We got Clockwork okay. twice today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so moving on then. Email from Clockwork Monk. Um, email from Clockwork Monk in Queens, New York. If my calculations are correct and your email blo- backlog is still three months long, this email should re- be on air in early July. In which case, greetings from the past. The Northeast is still frigid cold and I even saw so this morning. What is summer like? Did you have fireworks for the 4th of July? I want to be there. No, because the entire state's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, we had fireworks uh, right behind my house a couple days yes, ago. Because I think someone graduated. Oh, is that what I'm, it was? Okay. I'm close to a high school. Uh-huh. You can always tell me when it's 4th of July around here because Stu's trees catch on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. The ones that overhang the house. We had a party once and the 
dodgy neighbors, I guess, let a bottle rocket off in the country. It's great. It went up, and it was a cheap, shitty one, so it didn't explode. It, like, went... And hit the fronds of a... I don't know, probably 60-foot palm tree. They're pretty much just Roman candles. That's all palm yeah. trees are good for, mm-hmm. because yeah. yeah. catching on fire. They're I just sh- dry grass. And it hit, and it like, smolder, smolder. And there it went. Like, someone, oh, we need to call, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You go to the phone and dial 9-1 and I wait. I can feel the heat from the, door, <laughs> the back of the garage. Oh, yep. That wall right there, I can feel oh, the heat. Oh, man. That's wow. not good. You know, dumbasses. In my career as GM, I've introduced many new players to the hobby of RPGs and have been approached by several friends who are interested in my games after hearing word of how fun they are. Not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty awesome. Okay. The success of these games has be- have been due in large part to advice from your show. Aww, that's tooting our horn. Well, there's... We gave advice, like, yeah, the other time, two years ago. <laughs> I'm sure we gave good advice. Um, let's see. However, of the players who regularly play with me, only one has gone on to create his own game and act as GM. He ran a wonderfully scary Cthulhu-inspired horror game in Savage Worlds, which we all as players thoroughly enjoyed, but he found the entire experience intimidating and hasn't GM'd since, despite us saying how much we loved it. Look, any game where my character, a douchebag bro dude with daddy issues, picks up a sword and cuts off the head of a demon child is an awesome game in my book. Good to know. Mm-hmm. GMs can be so self-critical. Yeah. This is the part where you drink and feel bad. Okay. Um, I can't reach Kurt to feel him. Um, <laughs> I'll give him a bad feel. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> With my insanely busy schedule, it's already difficult to maintain one regular RPG campaign. What I really want is for someone else in my gaming circle and set to set something up, damn it. Do you have any advice for gently nudging people to take up the mantle alongside me? It's selfish, but I want to be a player for once. With beer, Clockwork Monk. P.S. Do you guys have a favorite con in my part of the U.S. over the Northeast Mid-Atlantic? I want to start going to these things. Uh, I've heard Dragon Con is awesome, which I don't know if that counts as Mid-Atlantic, but it's in Atlanta. I've heard that that one's really awesome. That would not be Mid-Atlantic. Um, well, I've heard... That would be the South. All right, fine. Uh, there's a New York... Are we talking like D.C.? Yeah. Mid-Atlantic? Mid-Atlantic, yeah. I would think, okay. yeah, like Virginia or... Because that's like 200 miles from Atlanta. Yeah. So. Well, a lot of nerd cons will have a gaming room, even if it's not focused specifically on, on gaming as a whole con. I mean, I was just at Condor, which was like a 1,000-person sci-fi con, and they had a gaming room, mm. which I was invited to, but I was too tired. He's, he's in Queens. If you can't find a con in New, New York, York Comic Con. Oh, Jesus. New York Comic Con. Yeah, if they do not have, have some gaming. kind of gaming there, then it's not a worthy con. Um, and Otacon, I know, has role-playing groups, because my friends have talked about playing games there. Yeah. Stu is going to the Google machine right now. First off, someone said that meme is a made-up word, and it is no more made-up than any other word. I mean, they're all made up. Yeah, the right. is oh a made-up word. Right. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, all of language is made-up words. I think the first time I heard it was in, was in it would have been in the 80s in a psychology class. Yeah. It, it is the unit of measurement of cultural uh, identity. Cultural an, memory. Sorry. An element of a culture or system or be, of behavior that may be considered to be passed from one individual to another by non-genetic means, especially imitation. Yeah, we had, a, we had a party years ago where the theme of the party was memes, and I wore a shirt that had a wheel and fire on it that said old school memes. <laughs> oh, did you guys hear that, like, Australia had their asses handed to them by Chile? Did you hear that the Rangers lost? What? What's that? Uh, hockey. Oh. Are we talking about the Olympics? Because no. this was a while ago. World Cup. And I was talking about hockey. And World Cup is not related to drinking? Oh, no, no, no. There's, oh, there's a lot of drinking, drinking that goes to World Cup. 
It's very much related. Especially <laughs> out of what the I remember of my time in Brazil, there was Wait, a lot of Quidditch. Drinking We're talking about Quidditch, yes. right? Yes. It, it kind of. <laughs> it's not too far off. Was I? Was I looking up? Uh, oh, third game cons right. in New York. Meanwhile, I'm going to say, uh, I, I, I can fi- I can feel your pain, and Stu certainly can too. But we've we've kind of touched on this before. But there are certainly people that love to GM, and there's people that love to play, and then there's people that like to kind of maybe do both. But I think I'm going to generalize and say there's people that like one over the other. Stu really loves to GM. Mm-hmm. He's okay with playing. I really like playing. I don't particularly care to GM, but I do GM, and, and, I, and I'm okay at it. You're good know. At oh, you're it. good. Well, you're so, good at it. But it's not... I mean, Stu is passionate about it, and it's it can be a lot of work for me, I, partially because I'm on a podcast where I talk about GMing, so I feel like I have to represent. <laughs> but, but more than that, it's also just you don't want to let your players down. So some people take GMing... Uh, a little, I don't, like you said, they can be self-critical, but they take it very seriously, and they feel uh, the pressure of putting on a good show and making sure that everybody has a good time. And sometimes a GM doesn't; uh, they feel like he let them down, or things didn't go the way they had planned, so they feel like they failed the players. And it's hard to convince them otherwise. Um, there's some psychology going on. Sometimes people just realize they didn't like it or they were so stressed out and so they're coming up with a, you know, they want to be martyred. Uh, you know, they really, I, I, I did I a shitty job. I don't want to do it anymore. Exactly. Well, uh, there, there's that aspect, but also as a GM, you're writing a story. Now, your players will be writing that story with you, but you are sort of the, the, the in, in White Wolf terms, you're the storyteller in GM, but... You're a writer, and one of the best pieces one of the best pieces of advice I ever got for writers was your first million words are gonna suck. Get them out of the way as fast as you can. Yeah. And when you consider a novel is about eighty thousand words, a million is a lot. So just do it more and you'll get better at it. Yeah, but being a GM can be a lot of work. Oh yeah, I and, don't. And, I don't and disagree. I think a lot of people get turned <laughs> off by that. Yeah. you know, they suddenly they realize they get to the end of the game. And go, I don't want to do that again. That was really hard and it was really stressful. And we'll take a break and t- pick it up again a year later. But to convince somebody that that even though they ran a good game, didn't have a good time, I think you're that's a losing battle. I mean, well, the, the guy may have not thought that the game went as well as it did, and I think that is. Not an uncommon thing for a lot of GMs, especially new GMs. Yeah, because your your biggest barrier to becoming a GM uh, is not the set of skills involved in GMing a good game; it is your confidence in those skills. Yes, because I mean, one of the things that someone just came out with a book about improvising. uh, The Gnome Guys just came out. Mm. Gnome Stew. just published a, a book about improvising for the for GMs, and if you think about it, what is improvising if you're a GM? It's making decisions. It's all, it's everything you do, but it's it, all you're all you're doing is making decisions. Yeah. Yep. And there's no wrong decisions. There's literally, unless you get yourself mentally bound up in it, there's no pressure. There really is none. There is. If you what whatever it is you're trying to come up with to do, or, or whatever whatever thing it is you're trying to create, the creative process is simply asking yourself questions about what it is, and then giving yourself answers. There's no wrong answers that you can give. You just you because what when you're creating something that the party has never seen before, it doesn't matter what you come up with. There could be a certain amount of buyer's remorse because maybe because if there are no wrong decisions, then the path 
not taken, you could regret well, not going down that road. Well, that's that's sort of the 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 back edge of of GMing is that yeah. there are no wrong decisions, but you do have to live with the decisions yeah, you make. That's true. Yeah, and figure out how to fit them into the game. Right. But I mean, I and think, hope that it didn't paint you in a, into a corner. I think a lot of people who GM and maybe GM successfully don't think they've GM successfully because they, even though they've ran run a game and they've had players tell them this was a lot of fun, I still I still think that they lack the confidence in their own skills to be able to to do it. There's also the battle between the expectations that you had set up and what actually happened. Well, that's, yeah, that's, well, that's wrong headed. For GM, that's wrong-headed. But you've got, you've got to get that out of that. That mindset needs to go away. But it's natural. It is. It is. But you, you can't. You can't sit and go. Oh, the game didn't go the way I thought it was. Those damn players. No, that, that's no, what that, it comes down no, to. That that you, you have to I mean? disabuse yourself of immediately. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. But but, but also as a GM, you know how many times you fudged the rules. Sure. You know that you accidentally took the experience points from the creature and used it as their hit points. <laughs> you know that you misprint, you uh, renamed every NPC when you started talking about them because you couldn't find it in your notes. Your players might not know any of that shit, but you know all the mistakes that you really did make. That's yeah. true. That your players don't see because you managed to fudge it so they didn't notice. Right. Or your players respected because you were the GM and this must be a house rule they hadn't that you hadn't run past them before. You know that you showed up to the con without any of your prep work or any of your character sheets. And you know your players are just being nice when they're complimenting you because you know how badly you screwed up and they're just being nice. I mean, you could GMs do this stuff all the time. But that's that's what, that's what I'm saying. And until you until the the players it's the opposite the, of self-rationalization of I did this it there I must have had a good reason for it. It's the opposite of that. It's Right. It it it, it, it is it's the it's the problem of not believing that you are capable of success, so even though you are met with success, you don't see it as such. Yeah, that's a problem with all kinds of success. Yeah. A lot of people suffer from that. I yeah, and, and it, 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 it's it's particularly prevalent amongst our fellow A or antisocial <laughs> gamer types that you you actually fear success in a social setting because you're not used to it. Uh, it really boils down to, it sounds like he didn't have fun and he doesn't want to do it again. It could be. It could be. He's like, you know, yeah, I, I GM'd and the players had fun, but fuck that. It's a lot of work. It totally right. could, oh, yeah. could be that. And, and, I mean, and that's fair. you got to respect the guy's wishes for that. But certainly you're doing all the right things, which is encouraging him and saying what a great game it was. And then maybe at some point, I mean, it might be neat to just get together with, with a bullshit session and brainstorm with him and then say, yeah, that sounds like a good game. You should run it. Um, or what I, that gets the creative juices going because that's I mean I don't know that's for me that's the fun part about GMing is coming up with the initial concepts and you know the actual game is kind of a letdown from there. I just what? had, a, you I had just, an epiphany. I, I had I had an you apostrophe. made the epiphany thing. It looked I painful. Had, yes, right, exactly. Lightning just struck my brain. Um, you're asking how you can get this guy to GM again. That's that's your question. Anybody, he Offer wants anybody in the anyone. Okay, maybe this Money. guy or somebody else. Offer to co GM with him. Mm-hmm. But he wants to play. But he wants to play. Okay, baby steps. You get, uh, baby steps. You get to play on the next one. Mm-mm, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or, or um, just to get somebody used to the idea, 
next time you kill somebody early in combat, it happens, be like, here, run the NPCs for me while I just handle rules. So they get a taste of being on that side. Ah. Mm -hmm. So you intentionally kill them. (laughs) (laughs) I think before you do that, the best thing you can do is just, like, next time you guys go game, he's like, guys, I'm really getting burned out gaming. Can we take a break? Somebody else want to GM for a while? Or when somebody decides to go down that other hallway so they're not there for the combat. You know, don't split the party, you assholes. You're not there. You're not there. Fine. Here, run the NPCs. You're not there. Your character can't do this. Run these NPCs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Your sorcerer has gone down a different path. Yes. But they won't. I mean, the, if, the, if the guy doesn't like Jimmy, he's okay doing it briefly. But, I mean, that I, I don't. If, if You can't force somebody to do something they don't no. want to do. No, no, no of course not. not. We're not asking There's him plenty of people who GM, though, who'd rather play and don't yeah. want to GM. There's plenty of them. Yeah. yeah. Although, you know what gave me the confidence to run my first con games? Listening to this podcast. And, and you're a fearless GM too. You will, you'll take like the hardest <laughs> systems ever and run them for the first time, like Hero. I'm like, I don't yeah. run Hero games. Stu doesn't run no. Hero games. You know why? Because they're hard. No, because yeah. he runs GURPS. <laughs> roll six. Pray you roll low. How yep. is that hard? It's the character creation process that intimidates him. It's that fucked up math, yeah. to, so that you don't know what the, the OCV, the, the yeah, OCV and DCV. And the LSD oh, that's and so the, easy to break down. And, but then, yeah. The, yeah. No, me no math. Uh, you tell ban- the players to do the math once, they write it down on the character sheet. Yeah. There we go. No, that's how we did band it. Band teacher always told us the audience doesn't have a score. They yeah. won't know you missed a note unless you let it show. Bam! There right is a, there. There's a, great, there's a great quote from, I think it's from Beethoven. That was from Chad. To, to, play, to play a wrong note is excusable. To play without passion is irredeemable. That's you just you just keep. It's I don't, not I don't a wrong note. It was a choice, right? It, yeah. It's a jazz <laughs> note. <laughs> but, but again, if the guy if the guys are, jazz and note, again, I'm, I'm I'm presuming a lot, but yeah, I'll play devil's advocate, I guess. If the guy didn't have fun, I mean, he he didn't play any wrong notes, but he doesn't have the passion. Sure, right? well, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't like playing trombone. Well, it hurts his cheek, the embouchure. So. I don't know. We're lucky that Stu Tom loves to, to try GM French horn once because otherwise, I think we'd all run a campaign and then we'd stop. We're like, I don't want to GM anymore for a while, and then we'd all just stand. It'd be easier not to. But Stu has all these great ideas and he wants to play games. And then he says, I'm, "I've got an idea for a game," and we all say, "Okay," and show up. So we're lucky in that respect. Because if it were left up to me, I'd be like, "Well, I have a great idea for a game," and uh, it's a lot of work. Never mind. And then, <laughs> and then our, there's our Tuesday night group, where at the end of every session we have a conversation about which GM gets the next Tuesday. Yeah, that, that's we we are in a round a, robin. We we're in the unique situation of out of the five or six or seven, depending on how you count, of us, we've got three GMs. Yep, that's pretty and, cool. And and three GMs who are at least at the moment. Uh, rife with ideas of games they want to run. Or at least a game they want to run. Like, I'm currently running, Mary's got one on the back burner, and... We lost some key, key characters, I don't know if I can write them out and keep the game coherent. Right, but, I mean, you could run another one, because you've got, you usually have two or three ideas boiling in the back of your brain, so... Two or three I'm willing to share, at least. Right, exactly. Because the other ones are only for your online... Uh, no, the others will traumatize you. Yes, yes, they, that's why I say they're only for your online role-playing <laughs> That's friends. true, we eat each other on. That's true. You're the, you're the one who came up with the Shadow Vost, all right? So, yeah, made out of babies. Made out of babies. Made out of 35 babies. 
Chad says I had to run a lot of crappy games before I started to run halfway good ones. First million words are going to suck. Yeah. I and and you know I, I, it's probably apocryphal, but that was supposedly um, attributed to Ernest Hemingway. He didn't actually write a million words, did he? I mean, no. all his stories are so short. I've heard <laughs> that's why they're so shitty. I've heard of his 10,000 words. Well, Hemingway did say, write, words. drunk, edit, sober. Yeah. yeah. If so. it's 10,000... And I think what he said was, your your first million words are shit. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, mean, as opposed to Faulkner, who wrote a million words in his first sentence. <laughs> and then he discovered <laughs> semicolon and rolled another million. That doesn't explain Robert Jordan. But. Or Tolkien, who wrote his first million words talking about how much he missed his house. <laughs> and yeah, Dickens I can forgive because he was getting paid by the word. So. Right. Uh, he was yeah, smart. that's true. And that would be one million dollars, please. <laughs> <laughs> when you're paid by the line. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I still freak out every time I, I have to GM. Currently doing so for tomorrow's game, says Garen. If you can't bother them with your brilliance, baffle them with your bullshit. <laughs> Still I like it. Takes a lot of balls just to blow past the, the, these little cringe moments. And that's yeah. also Garrett. Yeah, you don't just yes and the players, you also yes and yourself. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I said this, and now I'm going to repeat it because you, you have, weren't listening. You have buttered your bread, and now you must lie in it. Let me write this down so that I can incorporate this into the plot when the thing stops. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, if, if you want to get your players, well, first of all, ask, say point blank to them. Hey, I'd really like it if somebody else would like to try running, you know, even a one shot. Here's a couple of resources. Does anybody want to look into this and step up? I mean, heck, you can still go get the the one sheet adventures. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. which is two sides one epic. You know, so it's like some so, great stories in there. Oh yeah, you know, point point your players to that. Say, does anybody want to look into this? Does anybody want to run? I really want a week of being on the other side. Who does anybody want to try this? Yeah, it's and, fun, really. I promise it is. And if the guy, if somebody is really not. Um, familiar with GMing, and uh, I have the, the the perfect system for the beginning GM, the Unisystem. Roll one d ten. That's it. That's the entire system. Everything is based on roll one d ten. The perfect system is the one that you're familiar with. So if you play yeah, a lot yeah. of Pathfinder, that's what you roll. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. agree. But when and it comes down to like under to. to to keeping track of what the role is supposed to be for all of your characters, the Unisystem is everybody shows up with 1d10 and everybody rolls just that it. Yeah. Just yeah. that, that's it. But he's got a regular gaming group, so there's probably some system they all know. Maybe oh, sure. The perfect system is, exa- is exactly that. It's the one you're most familiar with. I mean, they can be a crazy person and be like, that was fun. I'll go cheat myself heroes so I can run a game in right? it. Like, right? Right. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody's like one you. Of, one of my players <laughs> right now is, is writing his own setting. Uh, based on uh, uh, Greek mythology, where everybody is going to play demi uh, demigods. <laughs> is Sean doing that? Yeah. Cool. And he was looking around for he was shopping around for a system to run it in, and I suggested Wild Talents because I love Wild Talents. Um, and another GM friend of ours suggested Exalted because it's. I it mean, handles it, it handles gods. Well, exalted, you're playing the son of a god right. or the daughter of a god. It's, it's, it, that's exactly what exalted is. And Sean has only ever played White Wolf, and exalted is White Wolf. Yeah. So I'm match. like, you know what? He's right. Do it. Yeah. Do it in exalted. It's because you're right. The perfect system is the one you're most familiar with. Yep. Email from Richard. Shall I take this one? Yep. 
Dear Stutanian and the varying number of Dushketeers, or... All for one and one for... <laughs> yeah, that or one. something. I don't know. I think that was a bit of a stretch, if I'm honest. No matter. I am now about to blow smoke, if not up my own arse, then at least in the general direction, the general area of said appendage. If your arse is an appendage... You're doing it wrong. It's <laughs> prolapsed. Yeah, exactly. It could be. He could have shat his own ass out. <sighs> prolapse, like he said. Baby got back. Out yes. of a prolapsing <laughs> judgment. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't seen Sir Mix-a-Lot playing with the Seattle, or maybe it's Portland Symphony Orchestra, that's really something you should see. Um, the drunk other night, or sober. I co- huh? No, no, see I, it's it drunk or sober. I saw it sober because I was at work. The other night, I completed a three-session game of Fate Accelerated. Oh, so, Sir Mix-a-Lot played with an orchestra. Which song did he do? <laughs> he did he <laughs> It oh, was, oh, it was Baby Got Back. Yeah. Um, the other night I completed a three-session game of Fate Accelerated. It was an odd game, which all the players came up with, and I offered to GM. See, there's the other option. Um, the concept behind the game was Scooby-Doo Dungeon Crawl on a Train in a Theme Park. Railroading will be happening. Yes. Uh, we decided that the theme park was the size of a small continent. Disney the train World. was carrying the players to the entrance up to the park, Acme World, and the different carriages on the train were the actual rides themselves. On top of that, the players' characters were a misfit bunch, when are they not, with nothing in common other than they happened to be on the same train carriage. I repeat, when are they not? I threw in some other things. The train was on fire, flying animatronic clown heads, and a stompy monster wearing a hazmat suit uh, and a top hat, which we called the Hazmat Ringmaster, just to make things more complicated for myself. Mm -hmm. I had a couple ideas for the mystery and tried to drop clues into the chaos here and there. There was a genial Walt Disney figure, a head in a jar, called Arthur Charles, and a rival orbiting circus satellite run by Arthur Charles' ex-partners. After several mishaps, ridiculous scenes, and general buffoonery, the party deduced that Arthur Charles' ex-partners were the people sabotaging the train and causing the chaos. They, the party, had captured the hazmat ringmaster in typical Scooby-Doo style and were leaning in to unmask the monster. This is the bit that I was nervous about. The bit that all the previous nonsense was heading towards. The bit that, if I got wrong, would be a huge disappointment for the whole game. You remove the front of the costume, I said, and inside you see, wired into the costume, a head in a jar you all recognize. And as one man, the entire group shouted, Albert Charles! It was his name, Arthur? Yeah, 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 I was wondering about that. (laughs) It was perfect, exactly what I wanted, and I had only one response. (laughs) Yes! And I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for you pesky passengers! I don't know. I don't know why all of a sudden I turned that into British Meredith, but... 
Uh, it wasn't, wasn't the most. That was Burgess Meredith. It was really bad, Burgess Meredith. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, it wasn't the most clever plot in the whole world. He was sabotaging his own train and making it look like his ex partners were behind the whole thing to discredit and put them out of business. And to be honest, I thought it was massively obvious who the actual villain was and what was happening. So to get that response was amazing. What does this have to do with you guys? I tried to stick to some of the things I've learned over listening to you. I knew the plot, but I didn't once consider how it was going to be solved. I just put together open-ended scenes and situations and let the players run with it. I don't think I said no to any idea or scheme they came up with and pretty much let them decide how they wanted to interact with the plot to create the story. I also did terrible accents. (laughs) (laughs) Hence the... we may not be encouraged, I don't know. <laughs> no, we encourage that, we encourage that. <laughs> I hope it w- this wasn't too long an email, and apologize for my constant and dogged use of the comma. Uh, I like no, commas. It, it, com- commas are, are good things, actually. I never felt the Stu urge doesn't to like steal commas, your commas. I like no, commas. I, 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 I never had the urge to put in a comma where you had, didn't have one. So. Oh, there's a few places where I have the urge to put them, but... Well, I'm a fan of the Oxford comma, but that's beside the point. Cheers, <gasps> Richard. P.S. Dake a trink. All right, fine. I'm not sure I can do that in public. P.P.S. <laughs> My spell check has insisted I put the letter Z into all the words I, that I know correctly are spelt with an S. By the way, spelt is... Never mind. Just for once, I have gone along with preposterous way you colonials have of spelling certain words just to keep you all placated. Oh, thank you. Well, it, you know, we did open a can of whoopas on you at, at Yorktown. Um, PPPS. I can only apologize for my sudden and misplaced xenophobia. I love you crazy guys and wish no offense. PPPPS. Long live the queen! Hit, I'm hit sorry, I just off. got finished with fair. Yeah, I, I, right? I, I'm expecting, God like, save response. The queen. Queen. Yeah. God <laughs> shave the queen! God save the queen. Yeah, I said that a lot at <laughs> fair. It got a oh, lot yeah. of participants, re- like, they all turned around, like, what What, what did he say? I was like, what? I'm drunk. What do Excuse you want? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, God save the queen. What do you want? The penis mightier. The, That's the pen I'll is mightier. Play your game. <laughs> An anal bum cover. Play your game. <laughs> Email from Steven. So, hello there. I'll take the rapists for a thousand. That's therapists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. Into the mic. Sorry. Oh, um, that one guy is going to write another one-star review. One. That five guys. Is- so, hello. I know at this point I'm supposed to be rude to you, but my grandmother wouldn't approve. Is she listening? Well, good for you. My mom wants to listen to this one. She wants to hear how I sound recorded. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that could be interesting. I told her we cussed. She said, that's okay. Really? That's, that's well, I cussed in front of the quilt group, too. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, Mary, did you back. read one yet? You didn't read yeah, one. She read I read the yeah. shortest one. Oh, <laughs> she was crafty like that. Yeah. As, see, I usually don't like stick myself with the long two pages <laughs> here at the end. Do you want somebody else to take it no, or do you want to share? I'll, I'll read for a little while. As I was listening to the backlog of season 11, a few stories occurred to me, but one stands out. Or at the very least, should get you talking. We need help talking? <laughs> a little background first. I'm a Brit. Oi. I discovered role-playing <laughs> when I was about 13, <laughs> and it's been the basic background hum of life ever since. <laughs> Every time I've moved to a new city, it's been 
a few, and it's been a few, I've hunted down the local role-playing group club shop uh, as fast as I could and instantly had friends. So before you get started, you should drink! Oh, okay. Hmm. Can I ask you to grab me a, one more and, and Sierra Nevada too. out of there? And, a, Thank and a, you. another rogue would be great. Thank so you. you oh, you want a rogue? Because I pulled a rogue out accidentally. Yeah. Thank you. I'll take that rogue. The, the I, I've got mine now. Yeah. Green thing. That, green that's thing. one. Thank you. Um, hmm. So you should drink. Back in 1985, I upgraded. Until then, I only played with my after-school gaming group. We knew nothing. We learned together. And while that was fun, I was ready for a wider world. So I joined Brathwas. Brathwas? Did it explain the next sentence? Oh, okay. The Bradford Fantasy and Wargaming Society. See? Brathwas. Brathwas. There it is. Sure. These were were peak days for for the hobby. Ah, the salad days. These were... I was in kindergarten. Walk into Brathwas for the first time was just amazing. It was... It was held in the o- in an old theater, which is exactly as cool as it sounds. Balconies, the stage, the intricate passageways, and the clincher, a bar. Oh, but the best... Uh, I'd go. I'd belly up it. to the bar, yeah. But the best bit was I realized that I wasn't alone. Yay! On a good day, Brafwa's had three wargaming tables going with anything from Napoleonics to old-school Warhammer. A couple of tables with board games being played, not quite yet the card, not quite yet for, for the card games. Um, no, magic. And at least, four, yeah, at least four tables with RPGs being played, often with six to eight players to a GM. I was an utter noob and was happy to be led into the group, even though it was AD&D... AD&D rather than basic, the basic I was used to. The people were friendly and seemed happy to meet me, and over the course of the next few years, I met friends that I would see more see the, that would see me through the best years of my life. The thing about the group was the size of Brafwas. On the books, we held over two hundred members. Holy buckets! Damn. Wow, that's like that's like a mini con. Yeah. It is. Or a MaxiCon. But that's on the books, not how many who show up. Right. Mm. Uh, the thing about the group with the size on the books that held 200 members was that it inevitably had politics. Mm. Drink, by the way. Oh, mm. I have to open the new Drink one. to politics. Mm. Yeah. Poli- you want drink to pick up there? Because because drink drink for politics. I'll pick up old Stu's opening his beer. Drink, by the way. From my humble beginnings at the club, I'd evolved into an old pro. The group I played with most often was no messing. The elite. I had the best ref in the group, and I now realize the best I would ever meet. And as one of the chosen group, I had a certain kudos among the rest of the players. My ref... Sorry. This is a tasty burger. (laughs) I was trying to hit the button, because I was going to burp. And I accidentally bumped the... Sorry. That's awesome, though. (laughs) You had two at the same time. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't either. My ref had given up... Going to the club, but I couldn't stop. So, I started playing in the insane high-level min-maxing games that tended to be run there. I remember particularly my high-level warrior having his plus-five Vorpal killed by a disenchanter beast and simply drawing out his spare. <laughs> Those kind of games. Good fun fluff compared to my regular ref's intense, serious, nitty-gritty approach. One of the guys I found myself sat at a table uh, was most often was this chap we called... God, uh, Godblood. Good Godbod? Godbod. 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 
His real name was Godfrey, so it wasn't much of a jump. Godbod was a fun bloke. He role-played in the classic giggle value style. As a person, he was a decent guy. The sort of person you just knew you could help, who would help you out if you had a problem. Just because it would be the right thing to do. He was a born-again Christian. We knew this, and he was happy to discuss it, but it was never the in-your-face kind of religion that born-agains tend to have. Mm. It was just a part of who he was. <clears throat> Looking back now, I can only remember him laughing or the mischievous look he got on his face when his illusionist was up to something. <laughs> Myself and Godbod were both on the club committee. He was secretary, and I was the fantasy rep. My job was to introduce new players to the games and generally do the job of, of club with men, with newbies, be the gob of the club. I, he's might, a Brit. He's yeah. a Brit. That might be mean the gob something. Of the club, yeah. Generally, be the gob of the club with uh, newbies. The mouth mouthpiece, I think. Oh, all right. Uh, okay. I was trying to correct it, but you were right. A it's belt gob. in the gob. Yeah. Well, that's right. right. Yes. Good oh, fun to be gob. honest. And now I get uh, to the good bit. Drink. Okay. All right. I'm gonna, don't need to encourage me twice. Also, in the club was a gent called Rick. He was not the most liked person in the world. As a player, he was hostile and tended to try to dominate a table. Oh, so his real name is Prick. No, Dick. Ah. What do you have against Nightwing? <laughs> <laughs> At board and war games, he used both a terrible winner. He was both a terrible winner and a really foul loser. I have nothing against the Kryptonian superhero. <laughs> nothing nice. was ever his fault. <laughs> It was a rules glitch, or a shoddy roll, or just people, for whatever reason. He had recently stood for club president and was resoundingly beaten by Big John. Big Bud. A huge six-foot-three monster of a bloke who everybody loved. He was still broiling about that. Big Bud John. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how it goes now. <laughs> I can't remember how it goes. I can only remember the uh, the the, the, the version. John. Yeah, exactly. I can only Big remember the, the Doctor Men- Doctor Demento version of the Big Irving. <laughs> we were <Bad> sitting Irving. <laughs> we were sitting playing a game of I kid you not, Hunta. Hunta. I love Hunta. I've Hunter heard of it. Awesomest game. I've heard of it, but I've never played you it. You get to be El Presidente for life. And in during like in, the in game, a Banana Republic. It's a Banana Republic game, and you're all playing a corrupt government official, and you have money. I think you have like two currencies. You have like money and influence or something, and you have stuff that you're in charge of. And at the beginning of the game, you all elect someone as El Presidente. God, Presidente this sounds familiar. I may have played this. Back it was in the day. so much fun. Oh this, my God, this, this reminds me. This reminds me. You are one of the few people that I would actually that I know. That I would actually be willing to play diplomacy with. I w- I'd love to. Uh, I've got play a copy diplomacy. of it at home. I have a, a copy in the house, and and it, it's one of those games that you play it with absolute strangers or your absolute best friends because you will wind up pissing these people off. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would. I would love to play a game of diplomacy. Okay, there's two. Tyler probably would. Illuminati's be a good one. Five you want to get the biggest assholes you know. And have them play this game. And you gotta have, and they all have to be good liars. They all have to be very good liars. And yeah, it's the one game that, in the rules, it says you can cheat. Well, Illuminati does the same thing. No, it's not like no, 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 no. Like if nobody's looking at the board, and you manage to put extra armies on the board without anybody noticing, yeah, you're fine. Nice. (laughs) 
It's encouraged. It's in the rules. So you're not breaking the rules, even though you are breaking the rules. Yes, that, that's correct. Are that is absolutely correct. Yo, you you will piss people <clears throat> off playing this game, and, and you don't it, even that's have to cheat to do it. No, you don't. You yeah. can't win the game without fucking the other players. So exactly. not not, worse not literally. Than settlers but, of Catan. Oh I've no no no! Settlers of Catan has nothing on okay, diplomacy. I've seen that go to table flipping. Your friends who table flip in Catan would should kill. never. Play they would diplomacy. Kill, they would, they would knives would come that, out. That would end marriage, especially consider. Oh, yeah. No, no, that would end lives. It, the, Your friends live in Oklahoma. They have guns. You're right. You're right. They would end lives. <laughs> One of the things about the game is it's pure numbers. There is no randomizer in the game whatsoever. Yeah. If you have two armies going against one, the two armies wins. Right. But you it's can, just a game of numbers. But unlike in Risk, where you can have multiple armies yourself, you can't. In diplomacy, you the two armies, the two armies, the second one has to be provided by another player. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily, but it helps. The the, the it's it it is virtually impossible to win the game without another player helping you. Right, it's, and it, it's because there's seven players on the board and right. no one is strong enough to go against any one player. Right, it would be a deadlock in every situation. Right, so you set up you set up uh, alliances. alliances alliances, but. But turn order rotates each turn, so you might wind up like in the 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 situation I experienced, supporting an offensive made by another player, mm-hmm. and then that player comes around and he says, "No, I'm actually not doing that." Well, yeah, what you're supposed to do is, <laughs> is everyone is supposed to, and and we had a rule. When you had we, to write it down. We, we, everyone had to write down their own. Orders that's for in the military rules. units. That's in the rules, and was not allowed to show them to anyone. Mm-hmm. That was one of our rules because mm-hmm. people would start to say, "Okay, but I get to write your orders, Mm-mm. or Mm-mm. Be, no. I, you got to show me your orders before you no. put them in the box." No, so we th- no, you can't do that. No, but yeah, it, it's it's a very fun game. But yet, yeah, there, there's no chance to it whatsoever. It's it, it's harsh numbers, and it's oh. so much fun. It it took. We would play it all day long. One we game. played. We played it at Scout Camp over God, the course of a week. All right. Uh, uh, we were sitting uh, playing. I kid you not. Junta. It was going badly for Rick, as it often did. Junta is a game of convincing people that you're not going to screw them, and Rick simply couldn't give out that vibe. <laughs> you knew he was going to be a cock. <laughs> Whereas both God Bod and I were. Giving uh, good at giving that vibe, and it looked like one of us was going to win. Rick was fuming. <laughs> How could you let these two pricks con you again? He kind of had a point. Up to this point, I was undefeated at Junta. It was the subject of much discussion, but he wasn't talking about Junta. I mean, look at them. These these two represent the club. A player who who's barely ever who's barely ever here, and him. He jutted his chin at Godbod. His comment about me was, again, fair enough. I'd barely attended the last few months, as I'd been utterly wrapped up in my regular ref's uh, Colonial Marines game, totally cannibalized uh, Judge Dredd RPG, and turned it into an Aliens RPG. But what problem could he have with Godbod? It was almost like the Grinch hating Christmas because it made people happy. (laughs) We ignored him and carried on playing, except Godbod and Rick were locked in a death gaze. Again, we tried to ignore this, but it stretched out for so long it was almost impossible. 
Did you guys ever ask him where he found God as it happened? He had. As, as, as it happened, he had, I answered. Yeah, in prison. Yeah, in prison, <laughs> Rick nodded, still looking at Godbod. But did he tell you why he was in prison? Did he... Oh, this is going to be a gross story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't like to ask, did you? And we never had. Well, it's done with now, isn't it? He served his time and done. My middle-class hippie upbringing coming to the rescue. Done? Fair enough. Let's hope he never interferes with children again. Boom! <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> I will take a drink. Wow. Uh, I'll sit here and eat candy, chocolate, whatever. <laughs> that stuff is awesome. This is Isn't it? Portos is one of my favorite restaurants. It transpired that Godbod had done his time as a pedophile. We asked him, and he didn't deny it, couldn't deny it as part of his new faith, so... Also the law. What do you do? <laughs> I don't know if it's, law, if it's law in England, I don't know. Um, um, I think they have the same disclosure rules, or at least similar disclosure I have no rules. idea, I've never read a law book from London. Yep. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> uh, so what do you do? What could we do? Godbod was a mate. Rick was a prick. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what we did. We took him at his word. He showed genuine regret, and we accepted it at face value. And for the most part, we tried to forget it. Except, of course, you can't. And we didn't, or at least I didn't. That was the end of me, end for me in the club. And although I would still go back occasionally just to pop my head in, and many of the people who still went remained friends, I simply stopped playing there. So there you go. I have a million more, but something about listening to you guys talk, talking reminded me <clears throat> of the sessions between games at the club. In a good way, honest. Uh, best wishes from Darlow. Not that horrible, perfect kind either. What's I don't word, word perfect. Word, I don't know. No, word not that horrible. I'm sure. I, I've always been a Microsoft Word user, not a Word Perfect user. So I don't know if Darlow is maybe a Word Perfect. Stephen. Term. P.S. If I get an honor of an an on show read, please. I beg you, don't use a British accent. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> just a, just one paragraph. It was a, it was one a, line, just, just a little bit, just the tip. Uh, although this incident didn't help, the main reason I left the club it was the only it was only on for two evenings a week, and with my main ref, I was playing day after day, eight hour sessions. No, this damn. this reminds me of the book that started all this. Uh, growing up, Elvish, and the, the, was it the Elvish Gene and Growing Up Strange? Which was written by a Brit, and yes. he was in a you know these sort of these weird groups and clubs and stuff. Too. He didn't play in an old theater, but anyway, maybe it's a British thing. But you guys sounds like you have the coolest gaming clubs with lots of people. They do, yes. We don't have that here. Nope, <laughs> we don't. One of the things that I have found is that there's a theater up for sale somewhere in Hollywood. <clears throat> we could change that. <laughs> Ninety nine seat equity theater. Yeah. We'll call everybody, it everybody ninety nine con. Everybody club. plays on the slope because the theater's all slanted. <laughs> it's raked, right. right. Rolling dice and they have to go find them. Ninety nine gamers and a GM eight one. Considering how many old theaters there are in downtown LA, like on Broadway, that are now retail establishments, they're all old porn theaters too. You don't want to. No, set no, no, up no, 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 no. I mean, I mean the, the ones equi that the Equity Waiver theaters. Those they, are the, oh, those kind of theaters. Yeah, yeah those were from the thirties and such. That were it's one up the road, right yeah, there I mean, off of Washington. But, but like downtown LA, right? I mean, it has hundreds of them. Like, Washington and Lake. 
Yeah, so I don't live in Pasadena, so I don't. Right, I, don't I know, know about exactly that. what you're talking about now. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Boarded up forever. There you go. Let's go see how much they want to rent it out. I've thought about it, but it looks unsafe. Well, Even the neighbor, better. the neighborhood, shit. No, I think the thing got destroyed or like hurt in an earthquake, and it's just been sitting fallow. Oh, it could be. So if we were to hold a concert in it, the wiring know. substandard. Yeah, the, uh, yeah exactly. The, it's in immediate. So it's perfect for gamers, right? Exactly. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Let's run Cthulhu games. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic games. Oh my god! Post-apocalyptic games in a rundown theater. Yes. Okay. Come so, on. so when when the uh, the that one building on Whittier College campus was being completely had been c- completely gutted and was being renovated. Which we one? S- uh, the CI. Okay. The CI. Oh. Um, it, it, we totally wanted to run a, a post-apocalyptic game in the construction zone, which would have just been. Awesome. And if anything fell on you, plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) Hard hats. Gotta wear hard hats. I'm gonna call it. Alright. Alright. When listeners of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Thank you for joining us for season 12, episode 6 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Stu. This is Mary. This is Stork. And this is Kurt. And don't forget this weekend to go see Sportive Tricks at the Big Irish Festival at El Dorado Park in Long Beach. Yay! And uh, if you don't listen to this until Monday, you missed it. Damn. Thank you. See you next week. And we'll leave you the song. man at all it surely is no crime by sweat and tears I pass the years it pennies for my time I'll shoulder burdens all my life of hatred and of scorn but I am a working man for life into it I was born My parents, they had knitting on And bought for what they had They worked and saved and wasted away It surely went all bad They told us long ago We would move up if we worked hard But decades later in my life I haven't got that far Born working man, and we'll break before we bend. But we're cursed by God to be here and to toil until the end. I pour my heart and soul into work and get it all I've got. I know if I don't, then someone will. They'll surely fill my spot. 
The foreman pressing down on us They grind our bones to dust But I've got a family who needs to eat So go to work, I must And we're born working men And we'll break before we bend But we're cursed by God to be here And to toil until the end cursed so thank god for what you've got my friend and we're born working men and we'll break before we bend but we're cursed by god to be here and to toil until the end The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.